12 past 12. Hey, Charlie with you. And uh, my mind is my own at the moment. I am not hypnotised. <laughs> I'm completely in the room and ready to do pet chat. Dr. Bob is going to be answering lots of questions today. And we've got Daniel Carrington. Welcome back. Hello. How's your Barbie collection going? Oh. <laughs> Yeah, if you missed it th- this morning, it's going to be on uh, 2NURFM.com on our website. I was obsessed with Barbie. <laughs> really embarrassing. I haven't watched it back yet, but oh. I don't think I want to. Now, Daniel, we're going to catch up with Julie Tolliday. We haven't heard from Julie in ages. I know. How exciting. So she's going to be online and talking to us, and we're going to talk about unwanted dog behaviours. So Ooh, if you've got one. that dog that, you know, jumps on you and you don't want it to jump on you or your visitors or a dog that's nipping and biting or it's toileting in the wrong place, we're going to talk to her about these kind of behavioural issues and see what kind of responses or type of behaviour changes we can do to modify that. That's going to be really helpful because I think we can all put our hand up and say there's at least one thing our pooch does that we wish they wouldn't. Now, Daniel Carrington, you're bringing back a guest that we haven't had on in quite a while. I know. It's so good to have Julie Tolliday from Barkers in Balance on air here at 2 New RFM Pet Chat today. Hello, Julie. Hi, Danny. Welcome back. Thanks very much. I'm excited. Now, we always love talking about bad behavioural dog problems with you because, yeah. you know, you know so much about this kind of stuff. And what I thought was like these unwanted behaviours, like say, for example, how do we get rid of um, unwanted behaviours like the dog jumping or nipping and biting, toileting in the wrong place? Are there any general guidelines? Look, the main thing that I always say to people is, you can't name for me an unwanted behaviour that isn't just a dog behaviour. Really, it's a foreign species to us. They don't know the same ground rules as us, so it's just natural behaviours. Our job is to teach the dog that we love this list of behaviours better than their natural list of behaviours. So generally when they're doing these kind of things, that just comes naturally to them? Yes. So, say the dog's jumping up. The dog's jumping up because it wants attention, it wants to get closer to you, it's height-seeking, it's excited, and what? And we don't want it. It hurts us. It might, you know, it'll graze Nana's knees. There's all those reasons why we don't want it. So, but the dog doesn't know that. So, the general instinct from people is to have a negative reaction to that unwanted behaviour push the dog away, squirt it with water, knee it in the chest, that's all it always And say no one. or say no to them and yes. the dog then thinks, and well, what's no mean? Exactly <laughs> right. And what the dog needs to know is what we do want. I'm sure every dog in the world, if they get together and have their doggy meetings at the pub every Friday, they say, these humans, all they're doing is nagging us about what they don't want, but they don't tell us what they do want. So how do so, we reprogram um, the dogs or our pets out of this natural behaviour? Well, the first thing you do is you make it not work for them. Okay, make it not pay. If something doesn't pay you or I, we're not going to keep doing it. You know, if I keep cracking jokes and you never laugh at them, I'm going to stop cracking those jokes. <laughs> Good point. I don't know. He's still trying. Uh, <laughs> okay. Well, we'll have to try some um, differential reinforcement of other behaviours. So if a, if a dog is jumping on you, what would you suggest? Look, I've got a Labrador that's going to turn two tomorrow and she still jumps, particularly when she's excited. So one of the easiest things, if I go to go out the back door and she even lifts her front paws off the ground... I shut the door, I won't come out. And that's an instant punishment for her because she wants me out. Mm. I open the door again, she lifts her paws, I shut the door. 
I can give a little gentle uh, correction noise. I, I usually go, ah, shut the door. Now, it doesn't take many repetitions because because dogs are smart and they go, you know what, that jumping up behaviour just isn't working for me because I'm not getting what I want. So they start to hesitate. Or in my dog's case, she goes and jumps on a trampoline bed because she knows that that's a pretty good place to be because I'll usually reward her when she's there. Mm. And then when I go out and she hasn't jumped on me, I'll reward her with a pat, a good girl, maybe a treat, depending on what my purpose is on coming out the door. Same with, you know, you come home from somewhere and the dogs are jumping at the back door madly and all they want is attention. And well-meaning humans go, all they want is for you to say hello. Just go and say hello and they'll stop doing it. I go over and close the blind. Okay, yes. They stop doing it. And the blind is the best trainer because when they've stopped jumping, you start to pull that blind up and they jump, you put it down again. Yeah. And the dogs just get this open shut, open shut, until they go, hey, that, I don't know why the humans don't like it. My doggy friends love it when I jump all over them, but these humans don't like it. They seem to want my bottom on the ground. So we reward bottom on the ground. We ask for sit. Instead of jump, we ask for sit. Or we reward sit when it happens as a fluke. Mm. So it's and, doing a lot yeah. of those kind of thinking outside the square. What about barking, though? How do you stop that? Well, the first question, Sarah, that I ask is, what? sort of barking. Now, that makes it sound really complicated, doesn't it? But if my dog is barking at, barking in the backyard at environmental noises, then I would go out into the backyard and redirect that behaviour to get the dog to watch me or to get the dog to do some exercises, a little bit of training in the backyard. Or if I really want to for for barking, when I'm at home for barking and it's environmental barking, I would give a couple of verbal warnings and then I would remove the dog from that situation. Not, and what I say to people is when you remove the dog from that situation, you're not cranky. You're just ending the stimulus that's causing that behaviour. So for my dogs, I may remove them and close a little gate that they can't get up further into the backyard. I might bring them down and tie them up. If it's barking that happens at a regular time of the day, and this is a common one that people ask me, they go, oh, I live on a busy, my back fence has got a walking track on it, and every day between five and seven, my dogs go nuts at the back fence. I say to them, well, do a bit of training with your dog at that time, or bring your dog down, tie them up near the back door, because that's their safe and cosy spot, and give them a bone or a frozen Kong, so that while that very stimulating behaviour is happening, they're calming themselves by having a quiet, restricted activity. What would be your recommended time to start dealing with these types of behaviours, Julie? From when they're puppies, from when they come to puppy school. Um, And I always like to get on my soapbox here. Every puppy and their owner needs to go to a puppy school to learn. these Because people come into puppy school and they go, oh, the, the puppy's biting me all the time. And I've been smacking him and I've been squirting him. So there's your old negative, not giving the dog a clear message of what you want. So even with biting as puppies, you know, that's an unwanted behaviour. Puppies just bite because they haven't got opposable thumbs. What can they hang on with? So uh, for biting with puppies, we, we set the dog up in a little exercise where we get them to try to get a treat out of our hand by mouthing at us. And when they stop mouthing at us, we give them the treat out of our hand. So we make mouthing us not work. Mm. 
and we make not mouthing us, moving back, giving us space, get your teeth off me, we make that work. Now, and the, we open our hand and we give them the food. The key to all this, just before we finish up, I guess the key yeah. to all this is the repetition and don't expect it's going to work after, you know, doing it for a week. Absolutely for sure. Training of your dog is for life. Absolutely mm. for life. And what we need to do is keep saying, what behaviours do we want? And set the dog up to get those behaviours as frequently as we can until the dog goes, hey, I get this. These humans really love it when my backside's on the ground. I'm going to start putting my backside on the ground even if they're only looking at me with one eye. <laughs> I'm going to put my backside on the ground. A well-trained dog. Oh, yes. And the Welsh, oh, a well-trained dog is welcome everywhere. <laughs> Absolutely. She's Thank a you, wealth Julie. of information, is. isn't she? Yeah, it was thanks, lovely to Julie. have you on your show, and we'll catch up another time. And I reckon we have time uh, for a call right now. We've got Sharon from Thornton. Now, your dog is aggressive around mealtime. Yes, he is. He's terrible. Okay, so Dr. Bob, an aggressive pooch when it's time to That's eat. That's because maybe the food is so good he just wants to get into yeah. it and devour it. Like, yeah. Could be too. What are you cooking him? What are you cooking, Sharon? <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, honestly, I, yeah, they, well, I've got two of my own and this is my son's dog and, yeah, there's home-cooked mm. meals with biscuits and, yeah, he's just... Can I come over? <laughs> if they're getting that, I reckon everyone else will be doing all right too. What yes, sort no, of a dog is it, Sharon? He's a border collie. And how old? He's um, he'll be two in August. And desexed? Yes. And he's always been like this, or it's been developed over time. He, I, I reckon, from the beginning. Yeah, since they got him, he just. You know, you used to laugh when he was a pup doing it at you, but he's just become scary now. <laughs> you know, you sort of don't don't trust him. And and that's whether the only when there's people there or when there's other animals there. No, no, it just can be one person. It just can be me walking out there. No, no other like none of my dogs around him. He just is not a happy boy when you put his food down and you just stand there. If you just stand there, he'll still growl at you. Yep. And, and walk past and he'll growl. And is that with food in a bowl or with bones or um, anything? Um, food in a bowl. I actually put his food in a big tray because um, sometimes it can be a little bit, you know, moisture at the bottom. And I put it in, in a tray the other night, put it down on the ground, walked away. I went back out onto the patio and he just stood his ground at me and looked at me and just growled. And I thought, yeah. okay, it doesn't work in that. It's a very serious yeah. behaviour, Sharon, because it's something mm. that, you know, food is, is always around, whether it's his or whether it's someone's, someone else's at a barbecue or something. That's right. It's something you need to get uh, someone out to ha have a talk about what's going on and see what we can do about it. In the meantime, ideally what I'd say is to um, feed him two or three times a day, put a small amount in a bowl, lock him in the laundry, close the door, and just knock on the door after 10 minutes. Um, if you hear him grumble, just leave the door closed. If right. um, if he's okay and he's finished and he wants to come out, fine. Let him out. Um, close the door, go into the laundry, pick up the bowl, and okay. then just put it up on in the cupboard or whatever. Okay. Same with bones. Um, don't give him bones when he's just out and about in the yard because if he's doing that, the potential is he can bury the bone and then guard that area. 
And it is just a behaviour that is really on the, the very difficult scale to change and also yeah. very dangerous. So yeah. it's something that it's sort of predictable, but you don't want it to happen. And there's food around all the time. And it makes it, yeah, so mm, they really mm. need to do something about that now um, yeah. at two before it gets worse as he gets older. That's right. Well, I mean, I've been feeding them, um, like because I'm lining him at the moment. If I feed them the three of them out in one area together, there's don't, a big don't race do that. Yeah, don't to do eat that first. No. Yeah. Well, I, I feed them totally out, separately. Would... Yeah. So yeah, one well, needs to be inside, problem. one outside, one um, with a door between. The problem with this food and there's other dogs. It's competition. The more they do that, the more they practice it, the worse they get at it. And so it's just really important to just go back to basic husbandry principles, always safety first. With her nephew, I believe, the owner's nephew. Just humping the nephew? Yeah. yeah. And it's yeah. something that is not a, a sexual reproductive type behaviour. It's more a control gesture. Dogs do it to each other. It's about saying, yeah, you're not allowed to do that. It's when they get out of control so they're beyond their ability to manage their own behaviour so if the nephew's bouncing around and being excited, the dog's trying to um, settle and control the child. And so that humping is one way of doing that. It's unacceptable. It's, it's something that leads to aggression. And with a bigger dog, smaller child, not sure how old the nephew is, but the potential for that situation to escalate, especially in a guard dog type breed, is quite high. So when children are running around, it's either having the dog on lead or in a slightly different space or just practicing sit, stay, drop with the dog. But as we're saying off here about Max and your Maltese, it's that you don't let them practice problems. You're asking them to be good, but dogs have four on the floor. They're so much faster than we are. So we need to be able to not only train the dog, but train the child. Mm. So it's long, slow, gentle strokes from the side, not reaching over the top of the head, yep. not pushing the animal, not pulling its hair. And if the child is not able to control themselves or the dog is not able to control themselves, then it's time out. So them. you try and interrupt, you try and redirect, you try and give them an alternate behavior, sit, stay, drop. Or if that's not working, you create distance or a partial barrier, step behind a chair or table. If that's not working, time out. Yep. Just, just exactly the same I'm as kids. I'm just grinning here and I'm saying it's the same with the kids. With it my is. twins, it's like yep. when they're up to doing no good. It's like, yep. quick, clap your hands and they like to clap their hands. Yeah, re redirect <laughs> the behaviour. And, <laughs> and, and you interrupt, redirect, reassure. But if it was really silly or really unpleasant or really dangerous, then no, sorry, you're out, out or you just change the situation. Yeah, yep. And, and yeah, depending on the size of a child and the size of a Doberman, 20, 30 kilos, it's a lot of dog, a lot of teeth. So nephew visiting every so often, I guess, or being minded. It's, yeah, all children under 10 should always be supervised around animals. Yep, good call. We've got Vicky now from Lampton. Now she's got a dog who keeps chasing cars. They do. Some of them just absolutely love this. What what advice have you got there, Dr. Bob? And hello, Vicky. Hello. No, it's not cars. It's his tail. Ah. <laughs> okay. And what sort of a breed is it? Smooth Fox Terrier. He did it once I lost my old dog. He is a rescue. I've had him a couple of years and he's just decided... I've done everything I possibly can. I've done time out. I've put Elizabeth in collar. I've done the um, stop that spray. I've gone crook. I've ignored. I've just... 
yeah. at my wit's end, and I've got a new puppy. I don't want her to learn this ridiculous. And it's only when people come. It's like a little kid saying, look at me, look at me, look what I can do. Partly because it's lost the other dog, there is an anxiety and a grieving component. So the spinning is an anxiety indicator, but also it develops and can um, get into a yes. habit of obsessive compulsive disorder. Yes. So, and he has stopped it, but then he'll start up again. As soon as I had a little bit of work done here and some workmen came, yep. and that was it, started again. And, and, and it's all those stressors all those stressors that trigger the behaviour, if you can, you take him away from the behaviour, as we're saying, interrupt, redirect, partial barrier, that's not working, yep. create distance, None. time out. And None at all. the next situation, the next thing is that if it is something that is getting worse, how long, how old is the new puppy and is it the same gender as the... It's a different gender, same Ooh. breed. Yep. Um, she's nine weeks and he is four. Okay, so three three years age gap is good. Um, similar breed, not so good because they have a similar sort of thought pattern, if you like. Um, but it's, yeah, the older dog certainly needs some respite time from the puppy. Partly that happens anyway because the puppy falls asleep every hour or so for half an hour. Yes. So yeah, that's okay. But, yeah. but it's important to, um, you may have to have someone come out to talk to you. He may need some medication, anti-anxiety medication to try and, Realign his brain chemicals, so it's not I've something. Got an adaptal collar, which that... is good. That helps to reduce and calm him down a bit, but it's one part in ten in trying to manage behaviour. So if you see him spinning and chasing his tail, it's not that the tip of the tail is wide. It's not that it's sore. There's a whole lot of different theories, but really, it's a a neurochemical brain imbalance. And yeah. so it needs to be dealt with. Otherwise, it can get very obsessive. They can start to bite and chew, have seen rooms splattered with blood as the dog grabs wow. the tail and oh. bites it and keeps biting it and can't stop. E-collar, sort of punishment-based, but sometimes has to be done. But the drugs are sometimes just necessary. Not, not you know, yeah, it's just, just one of those things. The- Nerves, and, and as you said, you don't want the new puppy to think that this is a normal behaviour. Mm. So we want to interrupt, redirect, reassure and not allow them practice problem behaviour. Now, Peter in Doyleson, please tell Dr. Bob what your problem is. Uh, g'day, Doc. Hey, How are you, mate? How you going? Good. Yeah, listen, uh, listen I've got uh, uh, a stray dog that's, that's coming along uh, and, <laughs> and going to toilet on my uh, lawn. Um, the last couple of weeks, and uh, I don't know which dog it is, but I'm trying to uh, you know, find out who it is. But um, what they're doing is, is there any way I can stop it? It's a very difficult. Doing it on my lawn. No, it's a very difficult problem, Peter. You can try um, mothballs, um, uh, citrus peels that sort of just an- annoy cats and dogs. Uh, depends on, yeah, mostly. It can be just a, a, a territorial dispute. So there might be a dog next to you and this dog is coming along, pooing not quite on its front yard but nearby and they think it's marking territory. They can wee, they can poo, they can drag their bottom on the ground. Some animals even sort of will roll and, and, and scrape their feet and roll their shoulder on grass but that's not as smelly as obviously weeing or pooing on, the, on your lawn. 
Um, you can try and wet the lawn the night before so it's sort of wet or have the sprinklers come on through the night. Unfortunately, it is that some people let their dogs roam when they get home. They say, oh, off you go, go and wander around and have a bit of free time, but they're not there being responsible for what their dog does. So most people, when they're walking a dog, are the nice people, the good people. They have them on a lead. They pick up the poo. They drop it in the bin straight away. Whereas the other people think, oh, no, I can't be bothered going out and walking the dog. I'll just let it wander out for half an hour. And the dog wanders along, poos on everybody's lawn, wheeze on everybody's (laughs) letterboxes and comes home quite satisfied. (laughs) But the neighbours are really annoyed. So um, you can try and... if I, can I put down like just an oil or anything like that on the grass to you, you can, uh, counteract it? You can try all sorts of different things. As I said, the mothballs, citronella, get off my garden, spray or, or gel. There's a few other things. There's pet repeller, electronic devices. Really, if that dog wants to poo on your lawn, there's no nothing that will really stop it. So they have a great sense of smell, but... They want to um, <laughs> do what they want to do, and they're going to do it no matter what's happening around it. Sorry about that, Peter. Four nine two one six two one six is the number to call today if you've got a question for Dr. Bob. Now, we've got Steve from Barnsley. Steve, what's your question? I spoke to Dr. Bob yep. a while back. <clears throat> um, more so as regarding uh, dogs like hanging out the window, whatever, and as you said, it wasn't very good. What I suggested was, like, they can't blink as fast as oh, we yeah. can. Yep. Were you able to look into that? Um, th- Sorry, just fill the rest of us in, hanging out the window. Is this of a moving oh, car? in a car, and okay. as they're driving along. In the car, sorry, not out of the house. Yeah. <laughs> so it's why horse driving floats... Along. Yeah, it's why horse floats now have covers across uh, or covers across the horse's eyes. Sure. Because they can get damaged to their cornea from dust and wind. Um, So the problem is that people think it's really good. The dog has a great time because it's picking up smells all along the road. Oh, yeah. But but it's, yeah, it can be damaging. um, And certainly ophthalmologists know this sort of injury because you get, yeah, stick or dirt or something that suddenly flies along and, and hits the eye. Because so, I, I, I did learn this from a veterinary surgeon yep. a long time ago, uh, and he strongly suggested that you don't let your dog stick the head out the window. Yeah, it's a good idea, and it's also dangerous just if you're turning around a corner or there's a pedestrian walking past. You're and slowing they bark down at to, them, yes. Yeah, <laughs> and a traffic, traffic lights or something, and if they're, they can reach out, it's not good, so it's far better to only have... Yeah, um, 50 millimetres of the window open, not more, so the dog can not get their head out, then get their nose and nostrils out, and you see them twitching like mad. So there's no <laughs> sort of real um, physiological effect, like in the fact they can't blink as fast as we can? No, I'm sure they'd be able to, to do it. It's just that there's so much air, so much speed, and the volume of the air yes, coming yes. through. And yes. if you have a look on the internet and see some of the great slow-mo views of dogs sticking their... <laughs> A big lipped dog oh, sticking yes. their head out yeah, of the car the and, the, and, the, and, the, and the, the lips bellowing like a sail in the wind. <laughs> and that's what the eyelids would do as well if there's that much wind pushing them back. So. Oh, okay. Mate, so, yeah. um, the other thing, your previous caller, yes. I do know a very, very old trick. And what's that? If they leave a bowl of water yep. out on their... This is to dogs stop dogs from past. toileting on yep. your, your lawn. With the toileting, yep. Um, they will not 
defecate where they have a drink of water. And that's in their own house, unfortunately, Steve. It, sometimes. It, sometimes. Sometimes it works, but it created a whole episode of people putting pet bottles out. No, no, and, no, 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 no. This uh, is actually a bowl of water. That's right, and that's where not, some... Not the bottle of water. No, yeah. Yeah. And, it, and, and people got confused, so a bowl would be okay, but the pet bottles, I actually had one client who said their dog loved it. It used to collect all the full pet <laughs> bottles, bring them all home, and they'd end up with this whole, whole hoarding of, of pet bottles. But it's, yeah, they don't like wet grass sometimes, but it's that territorial blokes in a pub on a Friday night. I've got to cock my leg. I can't stop. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. It's too tempting. It all is. right. We probably have time for one more call. 49216216. There's a free line if you want to get in now. Now we were going to have a look, Dr. Bob, at um, barking. Was that correct? Have we got time for that? Have well, you've we've got, got to got do a your... few minutes. We've got a few minutes here. Okay. Yeah. So um, sort of partly as Julie was saying before, it's about trying to find the triggers. Why is your dog barking? What's causing it to bark? What is its personality? Is it a guard dog type, a herding dog type, something that's going to be more protective, possessive of its area? If you can, create partial barriers. Don't let it see, like the kids running around the street or the walkway. Put another barrier a metre away or put um, trees as, so that it can't quite get right to the fence line. The problem is barking is such a huge problem. Why? Because it's very intermittent. You can tell the different barks of an animal. Yes, the owner's home. Yes, it's some, a child in the street. Yes, it's food time or it's play time. The main thing about barking is don't let them practice it from the very beginning. So it's removing them from the situation, Dr. Dogs Bob? just don't need to bark. Right. They, you, should... a lot of, you hear a lot of people say, oh, it's just their voice, but that's not the case. They don't need they to. They don't need to bark. It's like us. I don't need to play tennis. Of course, I enjoy it, but... Yeah, And I might twitch a bit if I don't, but it's important to give them other things to do. So the more we enrich, use their brain for good things and their body, they need physical exercise as well as mental exercise, training them to calm down. It's about relationship time. If you spend time with your animal and you're helping it to do the right thing, then when you're not there, hopefully it's going to do a similar thing, same as we're talking about with kids before. So... Understanding your animal, they have a mind of their own. They really are aware of all these things. Their sense of smell is mind-boggling. Mm. 10 to 20 kilometres, they are sniffing things. People often call me up and say they don't know what the dog's barking at. And it's true. We, yeah, <laughs> that could be a long way away. The, po the por pork roast is on. And, and they think, <laughs> yeah, why aren't I getting any of that? Yeah. So you try and interrupt. The problem with any anti-barking collars, they might annoy but they don't interrupt and redirect to something else. And from a quality of life, animal welfare, animal well-being point of view, they're cruel. Yeah. So electric ones banned in New South Wales, um, citronella, um, lemon, they're available, but they really don't do much. I have dogs that bark through them to drain the citronella or lemon-scented wow. um, fluid and just keep on going or the battery runs out. Yeah. So they get so obsessive about it. They they just can't stop. So okay, so it really is just persistence. It is about understanding, repetition. not letting them do it, and don't let them practice it from the very beginning. And our very last call today, we've got Lee from Wickham. Now you've got uh, two dogs, and they aren't really buddies. That's right. <laughs> um, so I've got a mini Foxy, um, Bindi, who's been in the house longer than the Kelpie, um, and Kelp the Kelpie is two years old. Um, and at the moment, what we have to do, because they've had a couple of scuffs 
um, is keep one outside and one inside and we change them over regularly and that's how we manage it. But they get really jealous of us in the house. and Just really quickly, okay, so how can we help that, Dr Bob? The big problem with two dogs together is they might get along well or they might not. The main fighting areas are over uh, high-priority resources, food, beds, doorways, people, toys, and keeping them separate um, helps but... It's like an airlock principle. You need two doors in case one left lets up, gets left open. You can try and reduce the arousal. Unfortunately, sometimes it can just be a personality clash. Oh, different age, different breed is good. But, yeah, you need to get someone to come out and work with that problem. It's going to take time to try and change. Okay, good luck. And that's all we've got time for. Dr. Bob, thank you for coming in. Daniel Carrington, also thank you for coming Goodbye. in. Goodbye.